0: Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. Well, good morning again. Did you see this week, uh, there was a thing that happened on the internet that went kind of viral. Elmo from Sesame Street tweeted, which I didn't know Elmo had access to the internet or could make his hands, pause. do that. He tweeted a tweet that was just Elmo checking in. Elmo wanted to just check in and see how everybody was doing. I think we'll have it on the screen here in a second. And, uh, this screenshot that I'll I have here is early in the process. Eventually, well, last time I looked, it had over 250 million views, and people responded to Elmo, and, and what has been said about what happened here is that, is that people did what is called a trauma dump. <laughs> they explained why things were not going well to Elmo, this figure from many of our uh, childhood, who's always been there for us, asked how we were doing, and many in our world responded, Not okay. People took this opportunity to express their pain and frustrations and challenges. Um, this desire, even need, to share with this puppet, I think was more than just a joke, though for many it was a joke. I think that whoever manages Elmo's social media presence stumbled into this deep need and sense of isolation that exists among so many of us. Finally, somebody asked how we're doing. Do you ever feel alone? Our world today is certainly incredibly connected through technology, right? But, but people today feel more Isolated maybe than ever, Uh, a May 2021 study found that 12% of Americans report having no friends at all. That same study was done in the 90s, and and the number then was only 3%. In the United Kingdom, nearly 20% of young adults report to having only one or no close friends at all. But back in 2012, that number was down at 7%. There is this movement towards loneliness and isolation happening all around the globe. The data is even worse if you look at just men who tend to have even fewer close friends. Our deep relationships we found last week have a profound impact on our spiritual growth and our health. And so it's no wonder... That in a world full of loneliness and isolation, we have significant problems, despair, and pain in our world. People respond to Elmo. Dr. Vivek H. Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General, issued a 2023 report on what was declared an epidemic of loneliness in our country. I like to look at this report often and reference it often. I think it's so powerful. And one of the things he wrote is, loneliness is far more than just a bad feeling. It harms both individual and societal health. It's associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and even premature death. The mortality impact of being socially disconnected is similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. It's even greater than associated with obesity or physical inactivity. And the harmful consequences of a society that lacks social connection can be felt in our schools, our workplaces, our civic organizations, where performance, productivity, engagement are all diminished. We are a lonely people in a lonely world. Though we are so connected, we find ourselves often missing meaningful, deep connection. Community, even though we might be in crowded spaces. I come back to this data and think about this epidemic of loneliness often because I think the people of God are uniquely equipped and called to be honest about our own feelings of isolation and to build and create connection that counters this trend of loneliness in our world. That we can admit that the isolation we may feel individually is nothing to be ashamed of. Rather, it's something we can bring together to bring to Jesus, share with one another, and find a Lord who responds to our isolation. A God who invites us to be a community of connection in the midst of despair. Today's text is all about loneliness and isolation. It's a text about someone who was deeply disconnected. We've been looking in the last several weeks at just the first chapter of Mark. And today we're going to finish that first chapter. And maybe you're very grateful to be done with just these 45 verses. But I'm amazed how much richness exists in these verses of that first chapter of the oldest gospel that we have. Mark so far has showed us so much about who Jesus is about Jesus' message and His baptism, about Jesus going into the wilderness and then calling disciples, of Jesus healing and casting out evil in a place of prayer, of Jesus healing in a home, and now we find Jesus healing in a lonely place. So perhaps today you might find yourself in a lonely place. Perhaps you find yourself disconnected from close relationships, Navigating changes or breaks, walking in new realities after loss, change, empty nesting. We've all been in lonely places. We might be in one right now. So how might Jesus respond to a lonely people? That's what we're asking today as we turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. And we'll look first at verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. The text says this, A man with a skin disease came to Him begging Him, and kneeling, he said to Him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out His hand and touched him, and said, I am willing be made clean. And immediately the skin disease left Him, and He was made clean. Amen. Amen. Jesus is traveling with his companions. He's now in between villages. And this man who is called a leper in many of our Bible translations or a man with a skin disease comes to him. Now likely, he doesn't actually have the disease leprosy. Translators um, are are using this word because in the ancient world we kind of lumped in every skin disease with leprosy. This man would have been defined by this illness. It was a catch-all term, and it would have been considered a risk to his community. See, people in the ancient world with skin diseases, they were considered unclean. They were not welcome in the Jewish world. They were not welcome into worship. In fact, if you were to come in contact with one of these people, you would yourself become unclean. It would Inhibit your ability to be with others, to worship until you went through a ritual cleansing process. In this culture, to touch a leper who had become contaminated would then mean you were contaminated, that their uncleanliness might spread to you. So, lepers were cast away from all the other people, sent to live alone A physician of this time wrote about this illness. He wrote about people with with all kinds of illness, and he said one should kill a sick person if he is a stranger. A citizen, however, should be banished to a quite distant place or made to stay in cold regions in the interior of the country away from all people and be brought back when his health is shown to be better so that other citizens may not be harmed through contact with his illness. For our physicians among us today, thank you for having a better bedside manager (laughs) than this guy. Yet perhaps, even today, we have a willingness to disregard people who are different, far away from us, cause fear in us, inconvenient to us. Perhaps we've only become better at masking our rejection and justifying our methods. So this man is not just ill, He's suffering from loneliness, isolation, and rejection. As a leopard, he was a member of the untouchables of his society. He was unwelcome. This stratification of of people and social orders has plagued our human history, hasn't it? It's February, the start of Black History Month, and I'm reflecting on when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. visited India. And he met with members there of the lowest caste, or of the lowest social hierarchy system in place there, called the untouchables. And those in that group recognized King as one of their own, and it caused King to begin to think about America as a place with a caste system, where black Americans were considered to be lesser. This stratification of people continues in our world today, where people are considered less unclean, less valuable to be shunned. Isabella Wilkerson, in her excellent book, Cast, writes this, Cast is an insidious and therefore powerful, because it's not hatred, and it's not necessarily personal. It is the worn grooves of comforting routines and unthinking expectations, patterns of a social order that have been in place for so long that it looks like the natural order of things. This man finds himself isolated, alone, rejected in the wilderness because of these routines that have been put in place. And yet he approaches Jesus, which was not what you were supposed to do. He approaches Jesus and asks for healing. The text says he begs. He confesses something so interesting. He has no doubt that Jesus is able to heal him. Look at that faith. He says, you can make me clean. He says, if you are willing. He hopes that Jesus might be willing to do something about this condition that has afflicted him. And Jesus, the text says, is moved. Moved with pity or compassion. Now, your translation of the Scripture may have a different word here, or a footnote that references how some of our other early manuscripts have a different word, and it's true. Some translations and some manuscripts of this story say that Jesus is not moved with compassion, but is angry. And that might surprise us. But I think it fits with the rest of the story. Jesus is angry, not at the man. I think he's compassionate towards this man, but he is angry about the way that he's been treated. I think he's indignant about the way he's been discarded. I think he's angry about illness and death, how it infects creation, and the fear that overcomes those who have the power to care for this man. As one writer says, to know that Jesus not only weeps with us in our times of serious illness, but also rages with us against the forces that still unleash diseases willy-nilly in our world is not only a great comfort, It is also a boost to our own faith. So we can read this text as Jesus responding with the emotion of compassion, but also the emotion of anger, and I think he has both. With compassion, he reaches out and he touches this man, and the man is made clean. Now there are other stories in the Gospels where Jesus heals and does not reach out and touch. Even heals from a distance, and yet... He chooses here to touch. This man who was not to be touched because his skin disease and his social location, who to touch him would to bring uncleanliness upon yourself, Jesus chooses to touch. And notice instead of Jesus becoming unclean, Jesus' wholeness infects the man. Jesus' own cleanliness transfers to him. As John Christendom said, the early church leader, he touched the leper to signify that he heals not as a servant, but as Lord. For the leprosy did not defile his hand, but his holy hand cleansed the leprous body. So how might Jesus respond to a lonely people? I think we learn that Jesus is moved by our disconnection and our pain. He reaches out to the one who is hurting He's willing to be with the one who is hurting. He touches the untouchables. He rejects the worn grooves and comforting routines and unthinking expectations. He upends the patterns of the social order that have been in so place they felt like the natural order of things. He's enraged by our stratification and our hierarchy. Infuriated by our lack of compassion. He desires to restore creation to wholeness. Let's keep reading the text. This is verse 43. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The text literally says Jesus snorts at the man, his anger now on display after this compassion and healing. Again, I don't think this is anger at the man, but about the situation. About the religious system that didn't help him. Perhaps the same religious system he will now go back to. Jesus says, don't tell people how you were healed. Including how Jesus touched him and now would be considered unclean too. He says, go through the process of being called clean, restored to community with the priests. Pastor Wayne Westbury recounts a story of how he met a man named Joe Rod Minus. Joe Rod came into his church one day for the community meal, the first time he had seen him. Westbury says he doesn't know if Minus was really his last name, but it seemed to aptly describe all that he had lost. His job, his marriage, his savings, there were so many Minuses. Jorod was in a difficult situation when he came into that church. And the pastor confesses that he made assumptions about this man, like many of us do. He tried to explain in his mind how this had happened to him, perhaps how he brought it upon himself to justify his situation, to find those comforting grooves of explanations. But the volunteer was serving food that day simply served him the fried chicken and biscuits with joy that they she was serving everybody else. And in that moment, the pastor confesses, he realized his own failure to see this man who, as who he really was. The volunteer did and invited Joe Rod into the community. Jesus invites the man in the story to be restored to community, to no longer be considered a minus. And I can't help but imagine that Jesus also wanted those religious leaders who had probably cast him out to be confronted by this healing to see this man they had sent away. Well, this man they had discarded now in their presence. Jesus says, go back. Let them confront their assumptions about you. I think Jesus may be saying to a lonely people, that He wills not just for us to be well, but to be restored to community. Now, I don't mean that this means we must go back to places or people that have harmed us, but I do believe that we are made for community and connection. We are made to be with people. And this is hard. And this is hard for many who have circumstances that make it extra challenging. People who are homebound or relocated or... People who can't come to a Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. because they work. People who are exhausted and stretched too thin. So for us today, it's an invitation as well to connect to them. To connect to others to get creative. To reach out intentionally to those who we know need connection. Connection. And so I'll pause for a moment and invite you to think of who that might be in your world. Is there someone you know who needs connection? We are made for community. And though it is risky, it is an invitation and something we must have. The author and poet Cole Arthur Riley says Don't become too familiar with loneliness. Community is a risk, but liberation depends on the collective. Who can you trust to hold you? Let them stay. Might we be a people who others can trust to hold on? How does Jesus respond to lonely people? Well, I think he's moved by our disconnection and our pain. He wills to heal and restore. And I think He moves us towards restoration and community. Desires that we find and build community and friendships that we intentionally send the card or write the text or meet for the meal. That the Jesus who shows up for us inspires us to show up for others. But of course, this man who is so dramatically transformed cannot keep silent, right? You didn't expect him to be quiet. They're never quiet in the story, right? Jesus says, be quiet and good luck. This is Mark 1, 45. But he went out and began to proclaim it, to preach it freely and to spread the word. So Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. So this man becomes a preacher. (laughs) He responds to transformation by sharing good news because what else can you do? We're only in chapter 1, remember? And already Jesus can no longer go into populated areas because so many people desire to swarm Him and be with Him. In fact, they're coming out and finding Him in the back roads and in the wilderness. What does the story tell us about us? I love in this text how, how people continue to go find Jesus in the wilderness and in the isolation. Perhaps that's a message for us today, for those of us dealing with our own loneliness. That when we find ourselves in loneliness and isolation, look who is out in the wilderness with us. Our Christ, who is our love, alone alone. But together. And what does this story tell us about Jesus? Well, this man has been the ultimate outcast. He's unable to be around people. People fled from him. If he was touched, he could make anyone who came into contact with him unclean. But Jesus reaches out and touches him. The holiness of God spreads to him. He's restored. And notice the situation between Jesus and the man flip. Now this man is able to go into the places of community and connection and Jesus must go operate from the edges. Jesus finds himself in the wilderness. They switch places. Jesus chooses to sacrifice his own standing and comfort and preferred way of navigating the world to raise up the outcast. Perhaps this is Mark's gospel in miniature that Christ would lay down himself for us. The story of our faith, God becoming flesh, facing death, pain, and isolation to bring us into connection with the divine and each other. I think we discover a God who will go to whatever lengths necessary to see that we are not minuses in the world, that we can repent and be whole. That even as He was hanged on a cross, His very body broken for us. Reminds us of how He values us. His arms, His legs, in the shape of a plus. (laughs) You're not alone. How might Jesus respond to lonely people? He's moved by our disconnection and pain. He moves us towards restoration and community. And He enters isolation to bring us connection. This man approaches Jesus with astounding faith. I know you can heal me if you want to. And Jesus responds, "I will." It's similar language that will come at the end of the Gospel of Mark. As Jesus approaches his crucifixion and prays in the garden in Mark 14:35 and 36. The text says, "And going a little farther, he threw himself, Jesus threw himself on the ground." And prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but you want. Jesus willingly embraces the suffering before him. From human rage and fear and spiritual evil, perhaps he heard this man In his memory as he prayed this man who he healed from this disease way back in chapter one a man who though he got better and became a preacher would still face death someday would continue to live full a life that had pain and failure and disappointment a life scarred like ours by individual sin, systematic sin, brokenness. Perhaps Jesus heard in his memory as he prayed this same expression. You can heal me if you will. And in this moment, our Lord responds the same way, regardless of what he wants for himself, I will. And we know that Jesus doesn't heal Every human illness, death and isolation and loneliness continues in our world. But we can face this world as a people who've been transformed by the one who was moved by our pain, a God who does something about pain. It is this hope that allows us to pray alongside 14th century mystic Julian of Norwich that all should be well, all should be well, all manner of things shall be well. This is not a prayer of nativity or or a pie-in-the-sky optimism. No, it's a prayer of rebellion. A prayer that snorts at the pain and brokenness of the world. A prayer that clings to a hope and one who can and will heal. And so we're about to gather at a table to remember the one who would enter isolation for us we commemorate the one who moves us from loneliness to family, who gathers us around the table to help us connect to God and each other so we'll eat bread and drink from a cup with the spirit of hope. Regardless of what is around us, regardless of what we want to tell Elmo about how we're doing, we can commit to be united to God and united to each other. To celebrate a Lord who sees no one as a minus. To commit to see the plus in everyone. Let's gather to the table and pray. Lord, thank You for Your willingness to heal. For Your frustration with the brokenness of the world and Your willingness to do something about it. We thank You. For the invitation to the table, where we remember the lengths that you chose to go to for us. And so, Lord, as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, may we commit anew to say yes to follow you and say yes to to love one another, to be people of community and connection, people of hope and restoration, even in a lonely and disconnected world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.